Well, you know, Steve opened up the, the, the book of Acts to us. It's a great book, isn't it? I'm going to continue in the book of Acts a little bit. Um, Acts is a great book. One of the things I like about it is it's an action book. Acts, A-C-T-S. Sometimes it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Sometimes the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's all of that. But it's really the Acts of the Church as well. And did you know that the books are still being written? Oh, yeah. yeah in Christ, your name is written in a book. And, and all the acts of your life are being recorded there. And someday, they'll be opened up in front of you, and God will talk to you about them. So the book of Acts is also a book, not just of action, but of fulfillment. You know, from, from Genesis right on through Malachi, we have been told by the apostle or by the prophets that there's a Savior going to come, and he was going to die as a curse for our sins, and he was going to raise again, and hallelujah, it all happened. But that's not the end. That's not the last part. We, we have to go to the last part. And that's what the book of Acts is about. Because after Jesus rose from the dead, he went to heaven. You know what he did there? He marched right into the throne room and sat himself right down next to the Father. Right on his right hand. Yes, he did. I have seen it in my spirit. I had a vision of it. He walked right in and sat down just as bold as you please. And the father says, good job, son. I want you to take complete control over my kingdom from now until the end. Every detail of my church is in your hand. The Holy Spirit will only say what you say. Then he did something else. That life that overcame, that resurrected life that overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil, he sent it back to earth. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit in the result of that, what happened as a result of that. But by the way, uh, Diane, that lawyer, when he said that to you, it's because the Holy Spirit was working in his heart, and God was right there near him. And it's written, Call upon the Lord, seek the Lord while he can be found, and call upon the Lord while he is near. So there's the word for that guy. When the Lord is near to us, and we know that, I, I have, I'll, maybe I'll share my own little testimony with you this morning. But anyway, we have to grab a hold of him. And what does it matter what it is? Does it matter today even, or tonight, or tomorrow morning? The Lord sometimes in his spirit, he draws near with his purpose. And we want to grab it at that point. Right now, grab it. That's like my brother Pat, our brother Pat. He has a wonderful outlook, a wonderful thing going on. I'd be so excited at that. Oh, the giants, come on. They're nothing. We walk right over. Linda and I have a great testimony from years, all these years. Lots of giants in the land that God gives us things, and he never gives you something that's nice and clean. He gives you with the giants so you can overcome them and glorify him. And Pat's going to win. He's got a great ministry. He and Teresa are going to. And we don't know all the wonderful things that God has, but we know that God's getting the glory, and Pat's rejoicing, and so is Teresa in what God is doing. Where's uh, Kim? If we could have seen Noah, I mean, she's sitting there, and I was listening to what she said, and I saw it. If we could have seen Noah that day, you know what we would have seen? 
we would have seen the angel of the Lord that's been assigned to Noah from before he was born with that little boy's hand protecting him all the way to the front door of that house. You have one too. Yes, there you go. I have two. I've seen my angel. So listen, you have an angel. And he camps around about you because you fear him. And he delivers you. So don't be afraid of anything. There's nothing to be afraid of, Shannon. The angel of the Lord's right there with you. Just go with him. Believe. Did you know in Romans it's written, Now, the God of hope fill you with all hope and joy in believing that you might abound with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through believing. We got to get real simple. The world wants you to get complicated. The world wants you to see its trouble. The world wants to, oh, 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 this, all the political stuff. Did you know that Jesus Christ walked in the days of Caesar and never mentioned him? Did you know that the Apostle Paul preached the gospel and built churches all over Asia during the days of Emperor Nero, the crazy one, and he never mentioned him? There's zipping nothing in that. You're not a part of it. You're a part of the kingdom of God, and it's not a part of this world. So forget it. I had a barb in my heart over this thing. When I felt that Trump and the rest of them allowed Biden and the rest of them to seal that election, I was so angry, and my wife sat there and endured me for a week. Well, not quite. But I finally, I finally got before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I have a barb in my heart. I know. Take it out. Okay. It's gone. I have no, there's no issues. I don't care what they do. The only thing that Biden needs is to get saved. There's nothing else in the world he needs. He's just another criminal sinner who needs to be saved. And if the fact that he's the president, so what? So what? Jesus Christ is Lord of the kingdom of God, and he rules earth too. So none of that matters. The kingdom matters. I want to show you that. You know, Jesus, uh, before we go there, under the Old Testament, the Lord established the temple in Jerusalem. Lynn, am I all right? When I get out of line, she does this. It's real good. I have to watch her. I have to preach to her so I can really see what she's doing. If she goes to sleep, I got to quit. If she's Puts her hand like that, uh-oh. So the Lord established the temple in Jerusalem, the city of David, the holy city, the Lord's city. He established a temple. He said, that's where you're going to live. I mean, that, God said that, not me. Well, then later on, all around the communities, in all the cities of Israel, synagogues were established. Now, the synagogue was, a, was like a, the um, a community gathering place for all the Israelites and the Jews in the area. And you, they'd go there on the Sabbath, religiously. On the Sabbath morning, they'd go to the synagogue. They'd sing a few songs out of the Psalms, and then they would... Uh, uh, the, the priest or maybe a scribe would, would read the law... And he would speak to them and get all the jots and tittles right out of the law. Then they'd pray to go home. That was it. That was their religious life. Now, Jesus was raised in that. 
in Nazareth. He went to the synagogue. It's where he learned the scriptures. Jesus had to learn the scriptures? Of course he did. He was born as a man. He was God, and the Holy Spirit was his life. But he had to learn. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So sure he did. Well, did you think about this at the same time? Peter, James, Paul, and all the other disciples were at the same time going to a synagogue someplace, being raised at the same time the Lord Jesus was. They were contemporaries, even though Jesus lived in Nazareth. They all went to the synagogue. And there they learned the scriptures. Peter knew the word of God. Did you know that? He knew what the word of God says. And he learned that in the synagogue. So, there they are, in the synagogue. Well, Jesus comes on the scene at the age of 30. Now, the reason that Jesus did not come forth until 30 is because it was written that Levites, even, and priests, they can't enter the ministry until they're 30 years old. When they're 50, they leave the ministry, and their job then is to maintain the testimony to the rest. That's their business after that point. So, here we are. They're going to the synagogue. So Jesus comes on the scene. He gets baptized in River Jordan, and he immediately goes into the, into the desert, and he goes, he comes out of the desert in the power of the Spirit, it says, in Luke. And then we find in the book of Luke, he goes into the synagogue one more time. Now, he went to the synagogue numbers of times. It was his custom all of his life. But he didn't go in to minister or be ministered to. He usually went in to heal somebody or aggravate the Pharisees or something. Because, you know, the Pharisees, they were just another denomination. We have Pharisees, Sadducees, Hengesies. There's all kinds of They were all denominational people like we have today, denominations. They have their different ideas or what have you. But Jesus didn't pay much attention to that. So he went back into the synagogue for one of the last times, and he read from Isaiah chapter 61. Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he went on. Then he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Ooh, what's he talking about? What's he saying? From that moment on, he goes out and finds these guys in Galilee. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Bartholomew, Judas, and Judas. He, he picks up 12 guys. And he didn't take them to the synagogue. Oh, and he didn't put up four walls of the pulpit. He didn't do it. He took them out into the highway. And the next thing you know, they're traveling with him, and they're picking up other people, and they travel for a while, and they go home. That's who he was. That's what he did. Something totally different than what they'd all been raised in. But what an adventure. How exciting they were out there. And finally, the Lord sent the boys out to cities two by two to places he was going to go and says, go heal the sick. Oh, and preach the kingdom of God, too. So that's what they did, and they came back. Boy, even the devils are subject to us in your name. Yeah, that's right. But don't rejoice in this. Rejoice in this fact. It's your names. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Are written in heaven. So that's where we rejoice. Okay. Well, now, Jesus goes to the cross, and then he raises from the dead. And what does he do? 
He spends 40 days and 40 nights. I didn't say seven Sundays or six Sundays or six Sabbaths. 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was always on duty. Always. Always speaking, praying, preaching, teaching, healing, delivering, blessing, challenging, encouraging. Always. 24-7. He slept a little bit. But he has these 40 days with these guys. And then he tells them, go wait in Jerusalem. Now the scripture says in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 3, that he spent 40 days speaking of the things of the kingdom of God to them. So, wait in Jerusalem until you, for the gift that I promised. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and when he does, you're going to be witnesses unto me because you're going to receive power. You'll find that in verse 8. You'll receive power. Then he left. He ascended. <laughs> now, they didn't know it was going to be 10 more days. Now, I don't want to get into the difference between Passover and Pentecost. It was actually the Feast of Weeks and why they were all there. They're there in the upper room. Now, it, over a period of 10 days in the upper room, and Steve's already gone over this, one of the things they did is those 120 people came into one accord. What is that one accord, that unity? What is that? Are they all the same? No. No. What are they doing? They came into one accord with this. Jesus promised, go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Because after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. That word resonated in their midst. And after 10 days, they finally came into full agreement with each other and with the word of God. Now they're all the same thing, waiting for something. And on the morning of Pentecost, it came. Like a mighty rushing wind. You know, the, the spirit of God came like a dove and landed on Jesus back in the Jordan. But he didn't come like a dove to Peter, James, John, and the 120. He came as a mighty rushing wind. He came as tongues of fire on their head. And they all begin to speak in tongues a different language and prophesy by the Holy Spirit. There they are. Well, there they are just making a fuss and a lot of racket. And they walk down the staircase into the street where there's thousands of Jews from all over the country there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. The harvest, Pentecost, first fruits. And here these folks come busting down. And so they look at them yapping in tongues and making all this noise and racket. You men are nuts. You're all drunk with new wine. And Peter stood up and says, no, 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 no. These aren't drunk like you suppose. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. So now he goes on and he preaches this wonderful word. And 3,000 bend their knee and get saved that day. 3,000. Kenner, where in the world are you going? Well, let me show you where I'm going. You know, I was raised in, in a synagogue called the Salvation Army. My folks took, I was born there. I was probably three days old, and my dad lifted me to the congregation, lifted me to the Lord in the midst of the congregation. 
and my seven brothers and sisters and gave us back to God. So I was raised in that. And it didn't take for me, though, for a while. I, you know, uh, I had to play in the band. I, I can't read music, but I was able to play that cornet in the band. And, um, and I got involved with, with everything they did because that's my parents, you know. I'm nine years old. I'm 10 years old. By the time I was 14, though, I had friends out in Farmington that had cars. I want to go to no church. And I had a real experience with God in the back pew one Sunday night. And I escaped. I escaped God. They sang that song. This is in my book. They sang that song, Just As I Am. You know, there's 106 verses to that song. And they sang every one of them 11 times. And I'm just holding on to the bench as hard as I could. I don't want to go. I don't want to wear that uniform. I'm supposed to go up and give myself up at the altar, but I don't want to wear the uniform. And I got friends out waiting for me. I need to have a smoke. And, oh, I finally escaped. I got outside. Oh. And from that time on, I was free. I, I was free just to live in sin and run the roads. And I, I had the run of the house. And I have kind of a rough history. But anyway... So, 20 years passed. 20 years. And uh, I had a good business. I was making good money. And I had, a, I, had, I had real estate properties that were providing income for us. I could have quit. I could have retired if I had just been careful with the money. I was too dumb to do that, too blind, too foolish. But I could have. I mean, today I could easy enough and if I had that. But anyway... But I was so dissatisfied. My life was so mundane. So get up in the morning and go do it and go home. I was a lousy father. I was a lousy dad and a lousy husband. And I just didn't know what to do. And I was out on 996 all alone. And I breathed, God, if you're real, I need you. And he flooded into my car and into my heart. I pulled over to the side of the road for the next 15 or 20 minutes just wept and regurgitated all the hell and the disappointment and discouragement and the sorrow that was in my heart and all the failures. And boy, when I got rid of that, I'm sitting there and wiping my face off. And boy, I saw color for the first time, it seems. And uh, I knew I had a brand new life. My life was cut off. I knew that. So I went home, and I started dragging my kids and my wife to church. And finally, about four weeks later, Linda gave it us, gave us up. We were in a big church in, in Detroit, Brightmore Tabernacle. Tom Trash was preaching. Anyway, we, uh, so Linda gave it up that morning, and, well, we took off. And I go to my, my work, and I had one of these Bibles, a Thompson Chain reference, and I just devoured it every day. I don't have to work, don't want to work now. I got my feet up on the desk, I'm reading every day. And I'd go out to list or sell or buy a house, and next thing you know, I got the people on their knees in the living room praying with me. It's like, I just couldn't do it, you know. It's, so, I'm sitting in my office on a Wednesday morning. And the phone rings, and it's Linda. Hi, Linda. She says, Kennard, what? Now, Linda, I'm going to say something here. When you, can you confirm it or give me the bad eyes, something like that? My wife cannot tell. Uh, she can't tell the difference. Am I right? Can't carry a tune. Doesn't know one note from the other. It's all one sound, but it's nice to her. She likes certain kinds of music. 
but it's all one sound. You know, not like that with me. I, I, I know the difference in sounds. And I can do the harmonies and what have you. Kettered, I'm reading this book by Charles and Francis Hunter. They speak with other tongues. Really? What's that about? She says, I, uh, I said I could have the gift of tongues, so I put the book down, and I went into our room and got on my knees, and I told the Lord, Lord, they say I could have the gift of tongues, and that's what I want. She says, I begin to sing in the most beautiful voice in a language I'd never known before. I said, oh, glory. <laughs> Woo! She says, wait. I went back out to pick up the book, and the devil said, that was you. That wasn't God. She thought, oh, I can't sing like that. So she went back and did it again. Well, that just overflew. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, I got so jealous. And I'm sitting there, and the, my dad said, oh, yeah. Well, it's Wednesday night, and they have a meeting at Brightmore. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to get it. It's my night. Because they believed. So that night, I went, and I gave Linda's testimony. and give testimonies on Wednesday night. I gave him Linda's testimony and says, and I'm going to get it tonight. So at the end of the meeting, I went forward and got on my face on the altar, and pretty soon there's about a dozen people around me with their hands raised, one hand on me and the other hand on the sky, praying and telling his And it took a little time to break through my pride, but anyway, finally, I released and got this gift of tongues. I mean, what did that do for me, right? I'll tell you what it did. I still use the gift of tongues regularly for a lot of things. But let me tell you what it did for me. It did for me what it did for the disciples in the day of Pentecost. Now let me go back and let me go show you what I really want to talk about. Pat and I have talked about this a number of times. But today I'm going to give it feet. I had notes, it doesn't matter. Okay, if you go with me to Acts chapter 2, now they gave that little book of Acts last week, have you been reading it? Read the book of Acts. Now there's something here, I heard about that gift, Linda testified that she could, I could have that gift, and I went after it, I wanted it. I have a good friend, his name is Daniel, Pat knows he lives up in Upper, uh, he lives in Drummond Island. He sought the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for two years. And I was there when he got it in Sedalia, Missouri, in a, in a motel. Oh, my goodness. He went down on the floor and came up speaking in tongues and began to prophesy to me. He's a prophet. And he began to prophesy to me out of Isaiah. And it's changed his life, totally changed his life. But let me show you what happened to these people. Now, Peter preached on that day. And they were, so many of them were saved. And he says, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is a result of what happened in the upper room. It gets better. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know, when I first saw this, did they get it up there? All right. When I first saw this a number of years, years ago, years, I've been reading this book for 44 plus years. 
When I first saw it, I said, oh, God, that wonderful, marvelous move you did on the day of Pentecost. Please do it again. Do it again. And I'm thinking about what happened here. And several years ago, I tell the Lord the same thing. He says, go back and read it again. Okay. They continued fasting, steadfastly, in the apostle doctrine, the apostles' teaching. He says, that's right. They lived with me for three years. I showed them how to live as a believer. And then for 40 days, I reinforced what I told them. And now they're doing it and teaching others to do it as well. That's what's happening here. Woo! And they continued in fellowship. What happened to the, where's the synagogue? There is no synagogue. It's still there. It did its job, but it's over. And in breaking of bread, the synagogue is still good. We're not going to curse the synagogue. But when you fail with a God, there's something about the synagogue that can't fill your life because doors open that you never dreamed of. I want you to imagine being in a group of people. Now, I should tell you this. And after that happened, Lynn and I, we found, I mean, we found places every day I had places to go to minister to people, pray, get prayed for. I, I watched devils come out. I learned how to cast out devils. I was in homes. I remember going to Bible studies with Stanley S. Kresge, the old man, and just all kinds of wonderful things that were there, but I never saw it. And now I have the impetus and the power to move out and, 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 and be a part of what's going on. And then we went from house to house. We ate in more houses than you can shake a stick at. And our home became a center of, of ministry for a lot of younger people that didn't have families that believed, weren't married. They find themselves at our door, at our table, in our home. And our home was constantly filled with people. And I didn't even go to church. I mean, I didn't have time for that. We have church every day. People being saved and baptized. People being healed and delivered. And people hearing from God. There's another thing. Hearing from God. To have God, like he did with Pat. God puts up in your path and shows you this is God. Go. What an adventure. And men need that adventure, girls. And some of the girls do, too. But men need that adventure of the gospel. And that's what I needed. And that's what God gave me. So, here they are. They're breaking your bread all over the place, and they're praying together. And fear came upon every soul. I mean, Jesus Christ is the Lord of all of this thing. He's right in the middle of it. They're seeing angels. They're hearing angels. Because they've entered that realm of the Spirit that they couldn't have before. Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed their lives. And I find myself engaged with people who also received the Holy Spirit. And the Lord would bring people who hadn't received the Holy Spirit, and they got it. Because you see, jots and tittles are fun. But here's the big picture. That attorney you know, Joe Biden, they need to come to Jesus at the cross, be born again, and receive the Holy Spirit and their life will change too. Really change. Now, I can never be satisfied with, with uh, synagogue worship and prayer. I can't. I need so much more. And I find that 
seven days a week, in the highways, in the byways, and in the hedges. And fear, and many, here's another thing, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. By the way, out of that, the Lord began to speak to me. I want you to sell off your business and disperse the money. I want you to close your business and come with me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll take care of you. You give up your house and I'll give you a hundred houses. Do you know what? We're leaving for Florida next week. We have all kinds of houses in Florida that we're going to be staying in. We have houses, we've had houses all over the country. God is true to his word. And so we didn't, I lost all my money. But I got to tell you something, since November the 16th of 1976, I've been set for life. And all that believed were together. I remember the Rataskis and the Leedsaws and the Thomases and so many others that we just had to be with them. Had to be. Had to be with them. Had to be having dinner with them and had to be with them someplace. I was doing anything together. And they sold their possessions. Stuff, they, stuff that they weren't using. How many stuff we got like that? And they parted it to every other man as they had need. And they continuing steadfastly and daily. Now they're in temple. Why are they in the temple? Because that's where Peter is preaching. Because he's going to the Jews. And they're in there bearing witness. They're not in there for temple worship. They're worshiping in somebody's house all the time. There, there is the testimony. We find a couple of chapters down the road that Peter's going into the temple and heals somebody on the way there, and he preaches and a bunch of them get saved. That's why he's at the temple. No other reason to be there. They were praising God, having favor with all the people, and out of that, the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. Now, I have another issue here. Now, wait a minute. Hold it. There were 12 apostles. They lost one and then picked up another one, Matthias, in the upper room. There's 12 apostles here. They've all been with Jesus. They've all called to minister. And where are they ministering at? What are they doing? I mean, they have a call of God in their lives. How come? What are they doing? Well, some of them are pastors. Some of them are prophets and evangelists. Some of them have the ministry of governments and help. Peter was an apostle. He was the only one that ever said that he was apostle to the Jews. Chief speaker. When Paul and Barnabas went out, Paul was the chief speaker. But Barnabas was sent as well. As a matter of fact, when they were sent, it was Barnabas' name that came up first. Separate Barnabas and Saul to me for the work that I've called them to. That came, by the way, as a result of being in prayer together, ministering to the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And finally, he says, Sherry, and he speaks to one of us because we're waiting on the Lord, because we're ministering to the Lord and waiting on the Lord and praying. That's the life of the church. That's the life of the church. 24-7. But, wait a minute. How's all that happen? And what do those guys do, those other teachers and preachers? Well, this is not a Sabbath 
uh, church in Jerusalem. They don't come together on the Sabbath to have somebody do like what I'm doing. No, 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 no. Daily, house to house, place to place. These men and women are ministering to each other. The apostles that had been with Jesus, they are speaking what they have in teaching the church. That's why they steadfastly remain in the apostles, not one, apostles, doctrine. They all spoke the same thing, but they had different manifestations of the Spirit of God and their gifts. And they were given unto the people. Now Jesus had 12 men that rose up to go with him. And we all like crowds, but if I had five, I would consider myself very, very, very blessed. That's right. My website is not for the masses. So I look at this and I say, there's a simple answer for us if we want it. If we really want the reality of the life of Christ, if we really want the reality of God in our midst, we have to be bigger than the synagogue. And we get bigger than the synagogue by the power of the Holy Spirit having his way, not in us, but in me, and in you, and in you, each of us, individually, and that'll bring collectivity. It's a wonderful thing to have Lord speak in your spirit and put you, put you in situations that are impossible so that he can deliver you and glorify himself. It's a wonderful thing. I've been a crybaby in my life. I remember telling the little many years ago, early on in our walk with God, I said, boy, there's never a clean deal. Remember that? We bounce that back and forth. When things go wrong, there's never a clean deal. I didn't understand what I told Pat this morning. God never gives you a piece of clean land. He gives you a land with, with giants, and you have to slay them. But you're there to slay them. That's why you're there. To slay them and move on with the victory. So I stopped crying. Well, usually. Sometimes I still squall. But I should tell you this, I'm very hungry. I'm very hungry to be with what God's doing because I've seen what he's going to do. He's going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. This is a picture right here, verses 41 through 47 of the tabernacle of David. Now, I pray... I'm going to begin driving around the countryside here. This probably this next week. Driving around the area that I live in, Fenton, Linden, Holly, Argentine, all the way around. Drive through the neighborhoods. And I'm going to spend my mornings and my days praying and declaring and demanding the church to come forth, the bride of Christ. I want it to happen. I want to see it right here in Michigan. I'm not the only one. There are other people doing that too. Because I want that life again. I want that fellowship with you again. Now I'm going to eat dinner at your house. 
I want us to pray and get a hold of God. I want God to be in our midst. You know, when somebody comes up sick, I want us to be able to lay our hands on them and just deal with it. Deal with it. Why? Because we, the life of God is in us. Who are we? We're the body of Christ. The body of, what does that mean? The body, think, the body of Christ. Of Who's Christ? Jesus. Where's he at? Heaven. He's the head. Well, then what am I? I'm the body. Wait a minute. Is my body different from my head? Could you answer me that, please? Is your body different than your head? Are they not made of the same substance? So I understand who I am. But it's who we are. It's not just who I am. It's who we are. And when we allow the Holy Spirit, when we, when we really want everything He is, and we want Him in our lives, and we give ourselves to that end, if we have to fast, pray, wait, get in the Word, but above all, believe, for the Holy Spirit to come and consume us, consume this sacrifice, gifts come up out of us that we had no idea were there. No idea. Because it's not us as in this guy. It's the Holy Spirit. It, in us, not just in me or in you, but in us. And we see the tabernacle of David is not a lone warrior out here in the woods. I know what it is to be a lone warrior. Believe me. And there's something pleasant about that to experience, something that doesn't require any, there's commitments that aren't there. But covenant is another word that we don't understand. Covenant. The relationship of, of two people or 20 people or 100 people or 1,000 people who consider each other better than themselves, who look after other people's things rather than their own, who care for them, we need that opportunity, and that opportunity comes as the Holy Spirit has supreme rule in our lives, each of us together, that we, ex that we expect that experience. And I've had it many times since then. That initial experience was glorious. But it's a wonderful thing when suddenly you say, Wow. I'm going to join in. What do you mean join in? Right here. Right here. He's going himself without me. I'm going to join in. I'm going to sing that song. I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to say that word. I'm going to speak those tongues. It's in here. That's the Holy Spirit. I was up north in November with some people intercessors. That was an experience. I'm not an intercessor. <laughs> but I went and I slept out there with them cold in November for eight days. Didn't get sick either. I like that. Anyway, um, we don't do much about it. We don't. Sickness isn't really a part. Anyway, so, oh, I said to them one day, we're just talking. I said, you know, just out of the blue, I said, you know, I said, my spirit is always praying. They looked at me like, yeah, I, I can join in any time I want. I can just join in with what's going on in my inner man. Might be a word, might be a song. 
I can just join in. Because it'll be in you, a well of life bubbling up. <laughs> yeah, you know, an everlasting life. It's always there. He's always there. And the Spirit of God does not speak apart from Jesus. He takes what Jesus says and gives it to you. Jesus speaks to you through his Holy Spirit or through angels. And he may use the voice of another person. He may not. So if we give ourselves over, each of us individually and then collectively, but if we give ourselves over to this promise that God has made for everyone that will seek, seek and you'll find. There's no respect to person. Oh, I'm going to give it to him because, well, he's charismatic, but I'm not going to give it to him. He's not That's a lie. That's a lie. There's a lot of charismatic people that can talk the words that don't really have the, the Holy Spirit. I've watched I've seen it. So don't pay any attention to that. The Holy Spirit is gentle, yet he's very strong. He's sure. And he's righteous. And he doesn't need a million words. So if each of us will determine in our heart to be in one accord with the promise, that's what they were in one accord with, the promise that Jesus had made. You will receive the Holy Spirit not many days from now, and you'll receive power once he comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's all mine. I'm going to send you places and do things with you that you never dreamed. Just bow yourself down and expect God. It doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are. None of that's important. It doesn't matter. We're timeless, by the way. Eternal life has already begun for you. Do you understand that? Eternal life is not something you're going to have someday. It's something you've received through your faith. So the whole thing is your oyster. There's nothing that God will withhold from us. Nothing. But we have to seek. You know, you can't get good enough or be clean enough or holy enough. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you clean. The blood of Jesus makes you clean. Nothing else. The blood of Jesus makes you clean. All you can do with your flesh is deny it because it's always going to want to live. It's always going to want to rise up and take over. It's always going to be angry. It's always going to be frustrated, fearful. All these things that your flesh might be it's always going to want to be that. You just have to put it, just put it off. Don't let it rule. Hey, who's running the show here? My spirit man. And he knows how to divide your soul and your spirit so that you know the difference. That's another job of the Holy Spirit to show you the difference. Oh, there's so much more for us. So much more. And I long to be a part of that. Again, you see, Linda and I have been there. We know what that is. We've experienced it. That's, most of, our, most of our relationship with the Lord has not been synagogue. It's been out there, and it's been wonderful. And I want it again.
because I feel alone sometimes. You know, I'm not that old. I'm only 78, but my heart is about 18. And, you know, my, my flesh doesn't always want to do what I want it to do, but I make it conform. And, uh, you know, Linda helps me not to stumble around the house too much. But I'm ready for the adventure again, the adventure of the gospel. How about you? Huh? What are you hearing? I'm talking to you today. Are you hearing anything in your spirit? If you heard something in your spirit, now listen. If you didn't, I, I'm not offended. It's okay. But if you heard something in your spirit, you say, gosh, I want that. I want you to come on. We'll pray together. And, and, and maybe those of us who need to pray for others can pray as well. Hey, I was at a church in Rochester, New York. <laughs> It was one of those scenes in my life. I felt like the Lord was sending me places, and I just—I felt like I was on the payroll. You know, you go into the church and, and ka-ching, time card, wait for my turn. I get up, speak, do my thing, ka-ching, go home. So I went and I spent a night with this brother who was a widower, and he'd been a part of the charismatic movement back in the 70s and, and um, 80s, I guess. And now he's a pastor, and he's got these 150 people, young people in his church, young families. And I, on the way there, he's in New York. I'm driving there just to be there. And um, he said, we can't pay you much. I said, well, I'm not asking for anything. <laughs> so anyway, we get I, I spent the night with him, and and we had a nice time of fellowship. So we got up in the morning and went to the church. But on the way there, I said, Lord, what do you want to do here? He says, I want to impart some gifts. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. So it's my turn to talk. And uh, I don't remember what I, what I spoke out of. Something here out of, out, I don't even know what it was. Anyway, um, I spoke for maybe 35, 40 minutes. And so I said that very same thing. I said, listen, if you heard the Holy Spirit talk to you today and you want to pray about something, we'll come on and pray. A third of the church rose up and came forward. Well, that's too many for me. So I got to minister to maybe four or five people at the most with words, words of knowledge and words of prophecy. That's all I did. <laughs> so I said, now, wait a minute. Some of you folks already have gifts you can go up here and use. Why don't you go up here and help me pray? The next third got up out of their chair and came forward. And they did the work. And so I just did what I did. <laughs> Little girl about nine years old, I said, honey, honey, you are the Lord's handmaiden. He's going to send you. And before I could say anything more, she's on the floor with her hands <laughs> on her back, praying in tongues or something. Another guy there, a black guy, I said, Brother, the, it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. He and his wife danced and made a fuss I couldn't believe. And the pastor said, You have no idea what you said to those folks. I said, You're right. Don't need to know. i got to go home. I left, punched out. I, I didn't need anything from any of that. It was a glorious time in the Lord for people, but I didn't get anything on it. You know, just, and the Lord told me, he says, You're not going to eat anything from this, buddy. This is for me. It's okay. So anyway... So anyway, if you, heard, if you heard the Lord say something to you today, will you come on and we'll pray. And uh, if you didn't, that's okay too. But if you did, then, you know, seek him while he can be found. If he's in your heart today, it's an opportunity to seek him and call upon him while he is near. But you don't want to miss the moment.